Good afternoon and welcome to Midday Magazine for Friday, December 2nd. I'm Jordan Lewis. Federal safety investigators are calling for new, more restrictive regulations on flight seeing tours in the Ketchikan area after a series of crashes. The National Transportation Safety Board says previous approaches focused on voluntary compliance and have proven ineffective at addressing the unique hazards of the flying in the area. KRPD's Eric Stone reports. The agency's 20-page report calls on the Federal Aviation Administration to impose specific regulations for Ketchikan air tours above and beyond what's normally required. The NTSB says it's looking to prevent pilots from being caught in clouds unexpectedly without the equipment necessary to navigate them. Large commercial airliners carry specialized instruments that allow them to fly in low visibility conditions, but small flight-seeing planes typically operate under so-called visual flight rules. That is, they rely on what pilots can see out the window. The report highlights seven fatal flight seeing crashes in the Ketchikan area since 2007 that killed a total of 31 people and injured another 13. Three of those crashes involved flying into poor weather conditions and crashing into terrain, including the most recent crash in Misty Fjords National Monument Wilderness last year. Those three crashes resulted in 20 deaths. Current regulations on air tours require visibility of at least two miles when clouds are less than 1,000 feet above the ground. Pilots must also fly at least 500 feet above ground level. But Ketchikan is more complex. NTSB Chair Jennifer Hammondy said in a news release that the area's fast-changing weather and mountainous terrain present, quote, unique but well-understood safety hazards. The report asks the FAA to work with the National Weather Service to come up with more conservative weather standards for flight-seeing tours in Ketchikan and require specialized training. The board also asks the FAA to require air tour operators to comply with a 2009 agreement that standardizes tour routes, provides alternate flight paths on poor weather days, and encourages pilots to relay poor conditions. That agreement is voluntary, and even though the air carrier involved in last year's crash had signed on, the pilot was not following the designated route at the time of the crash, according to the NTSB. A ProPublica report last year highlighted that Alaska makes up a growing share of the country's crashes involving small commercial aircraft. The NTSB says specific regulations issued for other high-risk locales like the Grand Canyon and Hawaii have improved flight-seeing safety. The NTSB investigates crashes but doesn't have the power to issue binding rules. That's why it's calling on the FAA to impose new regulations. In a statement, the FAA said it takes the safety board's recommendations seriously and will respond within an appropriate time frame. The FAA said improving aviation safety in Alaska is one of its top priorities. The agency highlighted what it called a sweeping examination of safety issues in Alaska aviation conducted last year. That includes better weather data and forecasting, expanded satellite-based air traffic control coverage, improved navigation charts, and new GPS-guided routes that allow pilots to fly at lower altitudes to avoid dangerous ice buildup. The agency said it meets every spring with air tour operators to discuss lessons learned and recommendations and reminders ahead of the coming season. But the NTSB says those actions fall short of what's necessary to protect pilots and passengers. One Ketchikan aviation heavyweight, Taquan Air, offered support for stricter regulations. In a statement, Taquan executive Krista Hagen said the airline, quote, supports the concept of a rulemaking process as a focused effort to enhance safety. If the FAA decides to take action, Hagen said the airline would welcome the opportunity to actively participate in the rulemaking process. Other Ketchikan flight seeing operators said they were reviewing the NTSB's recommendations. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. The wreck of a processing barge in Bristol Bay two years ago could have been the end of the newly formed Northline Seafoods, but the the Sitka-based operation is planning a comeback in a big way. On Wednesday, November 30th, 
North Line announced it had received a $40 million, a $40 million food supply loan to not only rebuild its floating processor, but also to reinvent the industry of the bay. Robert Bolsey reports. The pictures from the wreck of Northline's SN3 processing barge are not pretty. The 150-foot vessel began service in southeast Alaska as a platform for helicopter logging with an upper deck originally designed for aircraft. That superstructure collapsed when the SN3's anchor buoy parted in a September gale in 2020, and 80-mile-per-hour winds blew it ashore in Bristol Bay, not far from Ecook. The six crew aboard escaped unharmed, but the $7 million barge was a crumpled pile of twisted metal and in the hands of salvagers and insurance agents. Northline CEO Ben Blakey says the loss of the SN3 was also a turning point and a chance to rethink the company's model, which is to have a floating processor available closer to the fleet and spare them the long run from the fishing grounds to shore-based processors in Naknek. The SN3 was innovative, but it wasn't perfect. We had to ship using the traditional methods of freeze containers. Um, you know, that increases cost. It's very inefficient. And, you know, there's, there's snags and snarls along, you know, along the path from Alaska to Seattle. So this new barge will actually integrate the freezing process, you know, buying fish from fishermen, freezing them. We'll store them on board and then um, ship the entire vessel or tow the entire vessel to the Pacific Northwest um, in the in the winter months where they'll be distributed. So it's kind of a way to you know cut out cold storage, cut out shipping, and kind of take it all in house and consolidate it. With forty million dollars now in hand from a U.S. Department of Agriculture food supply chain loan, plus another twenty-two million in financing from a company called Greater Commercial Lending and a Seattle investment banking firm, Zachary Scott, Northline is literally doing what President Biden's infrastructure bill suggests and building back better or at least bigger. The new processor, the HANA, will be three times larger than the SN3, but like its predecessor, the HANA will also be a repurposed vessel, in this case, a massive container barge. It had been shipping um, containers between, I believe, Florida and uh, the U.S. Virgin Islands. So um, it, it, it's, it's older. It was built in the, in the late 90s, but it has a lot of life left, and... It's large. It's, you know, 400 feet by 100 feet wide, um, which is substantially lo- uh, larger than the, the last barge that we rebuilt. Blakey says that even before the SN3 was wrecked, Northline was looking for ways to improve its model of flash freezing fish in the round and shipping them directly to markets for processing. Initially, the idea was to build another barge for storage and shipping to tie alongside the SN3, After the accident, Blakey credits the company's chief technical officer, Drew Cohen, for coming up with the all-in-one concept behind the HANA. Northline believes that doing more with less is a winning formula for the industry. It's certainly a question of efficiency. So the the original platform was designed to operate with a smaller labor footprint, um, which it certainly, which we did. So we were able to freeze a couple hundred thousand pounds a day with a fraction of what you would typically use to do, you know, to freeze 200,000 pounds a day of headed and gutted fish. So we're, we're incorporating that. But then in addition, this, this platform is different in that since we're adding in the shipping component and the storage component, we're kind of ex, uh, expanding our savings and, you know, hope to use those savings to, 
you know, both improve the market and quality, but also, you know, pay fishermen a better price. The HANA is being towed from the Gulf of Mexico to Bellingham, and construction will begin in January. The vessel will house about 75 processors and engineers, but most of its volume, 80%, will be cold storage. Once on the grounds, the HANA will hold 14 million pounds of Bristol Bay sockeye, an awesome tribute for whoever the real Hannah is. It's not the name of my wife or anyone else's wife that I'm aware of, but it is uh, it is a name that's important to one of our investors. And also, um, as I understand it, it was the first uh, the name of the first ship in the U.S. Navy um, commissioned in the late 1700s. Although the Hannah will be built in Bellingham, Blakey says that Northline's offices and Brain Trust will remain in Sitka. The company plans to have the barge ready to enter service for the 2024 fishing season. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. In a small town, it takes a village to pull an event together. That's especially true when the event is the first community theater production in more than two decades. More than 40 Wrangell residents are helping bring the musical The Sound of Music to the stage this week. To give us an inside look, KSTK reporter Sage Smiley dons a different hat, a nun's wimple to be precise. Community theater productions bring in actors and crew from all over the community. I know I, the only radio reporter for our island's radio station, will be performing in my first community production, an abridged version of Roger and Hammerstein's The Sound of Music. You get people from different walks of life and people who maybe wouldn't hang out outside of this. Haley Reeves plays the mother abbess. The sounds in the background are her nine-month-old baby. And we all come together and we get along and everybody's just been like in the same headspace and working together, and it's been really, really great. The actors are all ages. Only two of the seven Wrangle kids playing the Von Trapp children are related in real life. The actors playing Maria and Captain Von Trapp are married, and they met while singing. The nuns are a radio reporter, the public school art and music teacher, a massage therapist, and Reeves, who works at a local bank. I honestly didn't really have any expectations because I had heard that we hadn't done one in 20 years. So it was like... Oh, gosh, I think the thought was, I hope that enough people are interested that we can pull this off. Um, and so as we've grown and as we've gotten everybody to fill the roles, uh, it is just, I mean, it's more than exceeded expectations because it's like, these are people that care. They want to put on a good show. We want people to enjoy it and hopefully enough to the point where we can keep doing stuff like this and offer it. Director Tom Jenkins agrees. The show, which opens December 2nd, has far exceeded his expectations. That's in large part due to the amazing volunteerism of Wrangell, he says. Between the cast and crew, more than 2% of the island's 2,100-person population is involved in getting the sound of music off the ground. I thought costumes would be extremely simple, like maybe a feather, and that, you know, sort of like you'd do in a, in a junior high play. I was envisioning really amateur theater. Uh, but people in this town, they're, they're artists. The process has been full of surprises, Jenkins says. One was how quick the kids learned uh, their routine for Do Re Mi. It's a fairly complicated routine. I had two pages of notes as I put together, choreographed the thing, mostly copying what I saw from Sound of Music with Julie Andrews. But we had to do some things. But anyway, they just picked it up so quickly, and, and I just was able to put away the notes after the very first time. At a recent dress rehearsal, the three-part song ran smoothly, but there are still some things to iron out. First and foremost, the Von Trapp children didn't have microphones. Those were still on their way to Wrangell Island.
everyone's been surprisingly good singers too. That's really surprised me. Like the nuns, I don't see how the nuns you could have a better quality of of just singing in any kind of professional theater even than what the nuns have done. It's really really impressive. Reeves says there are nerves, especially here in the home stretch. And it's just all—it's always like the week of and the night before. It's just like, can we do this? Are we gonna do this? We're gonna do this. Jenkins says community theater is important. That's why he stepped in to direct the first community production in Wrangell since the late 1990s. It's exciting. It's good for the town. Good for the young people. Look at all these young people that are singing and dancing at a fairly high level, uh, choreography and stuff. I mean. What kid in Wrangell in the last 20 years has got to perform at this level? Uh, you know, I don't, I probably will never go to Hollywood or something, but they'll always remember this kind of stuff. In addition to the experience, Reeves says community theater, especially in a small town like Wrangell, offers people a new perspective on their friends and neighbors. I work at the bank, and I'm sure if, depending on who's coming, it's like they've never seen me except behind a desk. And it's like, whoa, I didn't even know that you enjoyed theater. Um, and in a small town, it's hard to get out of your box sometimes because people see you here or there, and that's just kind of where they keep you is in that box. And theater being here opens up that box um, for people to get to know everyone in a new light. Jenkins says he'll probably step away from directing after this play and let other talented Wrangle folks helm the future of community theater here. And for her part, Reeves says she wants to help keep community theater going. We definitely want to keep doing it if we're successful, and I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be. I feel like it's going to be. It is going to be. Let's go with that. (laughs) But in a way, having a show in Wrangell for the first time in much of the cast's lifetime is a success in and of itself. Break a leg, Wrangell's Sound of Music. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley.